Hey guys, it's Tim and this is Brussling Unlimited as it's Wednesday and you know what that means. It means tonight was AEW Dynamite and boy, was this a very, very interesting show to watch. Opened up with a really good uh, international championship match. Then there was that Kenny Omega segment. Like, is Bullet Club gold in the Don Callis family or not? We don't really know. I have no clue what this GD freaking Texas Chainsaw Massacre death match was like, huh? That was that was just weird. Then we had a good main event, kind of ish. I mean, it's the guns in the main event. What the hell are we doing there? Like, yeah, they took on the Young Bucks, but whatever. It was a roller coaster of a show. A lot of ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. Not saying I hated it, but not saying it was the best. I was saying it was there. And the one thing that I did appreciate, we got like four new things announced for All In. I think counting the pre-show ROH title match, there are eight matches so far announced for that pay-per-view. But Luke, we got Luke right over here, this way. What do you think of tonight's show? Honestly, the only good that really came out of the show to me was like them announcing stuff for All In. There right. was a lot of stuff on the show that I kind of got bored through, like the Texas Chainsaw match. Like I did not like that match at all. There was like too much going on in that match to me. They were trying to be like extra fancy with a lot of stuff, and I didn't like it. And yeah, a lot of questions to be answered after the show. So, well, I mean, I'll wait. I was going to ask you a question: what you think of something? But we'll wait till we get to that because it's part of the opening of the show. But with that, I want to say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited. YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited. And podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, if you are watching live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can either help us out by hitting that donate button down below or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also, remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can either subscribe with a tiered subscription or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime because remember, if you have Amazon Prime, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff of four games, and you always get one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month. And I'd greatly appreciate it if you did right here, Pro Wrestling Unlimited. And remember, it doesn't just have to be your Amazon Prime account. It could be anybody's Amazon Prime account, whether that's your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your grandma, your grandpa, your auntie, your uncle, anybody, anybody, anybody's. Also, remember, head over to YouTube, become a channel member, and hit that join button to do so. Finally, head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Whether you're buying a new game, whether you're buying an old game, whether you're claiming a free game or getting bucks for Rocket League, Fortnite, or Fall Guys, use our code PW Unlimited at checkout, and you will be supporting us at no extra cost. But don't just use that code to support us on the Epic Games Store on your computer or whatever. Also, hey guys, guess what? Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, they have both been added to Fortnite. As you see right here on your screen, this is a Becky Lynch in Fortnite. Each woman has two different um, outfits. Then also you can put a jacket on either woman, whether you want to wear the jacket, whether you don't want to wear the jacket. We'll show you Bianca Belair here as well. This is Bianca Belair in the game. For some reason the video doesn't want to play. It's just an image. But Bianca Belair also has 
two different outfits as well. And when you're purchasing it, go to the Epic Game or go to the um, what's it called? The item shop in Fortnite. Scroll all the way down to the bottom. Put in Epic Creator Code PWUnlimited, and you'll be supporting us when you're buying Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair in Fortnite. I've already played with them, tested them out. They look super cool. They also have a emote where they've got the old Raw Women's Championship, and they're like celebrating with it and stuff. Very, very cool. But with that, we've got AEW Dynamite to talk about. Let me pull my notes back up because I closed them to pull up those images and whatnot. All right, here we go. AEW Dynamite. Show opens up with Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, and Taz welcoming us to the show. The show then opens up with Orange Cassidy defending the AEW International Championship against Wheeler Yuta. Also, in Orange Cassidy's entrance video, like on the screens, it says All Atlantic, but then it's crossed out and then International is just written on it, which is, I think, kind of funny. I think that's really funny and it fits the graphic style and the whatever, the theme of his entrance video, but... Match starts out with the slugfest, and Orange Cassidy gets the advantage early on. They exchange, they exchange some suplexes, some kicks, and then there's a double boot that puts both guys down. Yuta then sent Cassidy to the floor and followed him up with a tope. Uh, commentary is talking about how Wheeler Yuta was like a protege to Orange Cassidy at one point. Orange Cassidy is the one that got Wheeler Yuta into AEW. Cassidy at one point countered a vertical suplex from Yuta, and they fought up the ramp. Yuta gave Cassidy a stiff pile driver on the entrance ramp, and referee Bryce Remsburg, Bryce Remsburg kind of tried to stop Yuta from fighting outside the ring and bring him back in the ring and this and that. Yuta then mocked Cassidy with some high-impact kicks. This was funny. So Orange Cassidy's like rolling down the ramp, and Wheeler's just like, yeah, kick, yeah, kick, yeah, kick. It, it was pretty funny. But when Yuta finally... Brought him back into the ring. Cassidy stunned him with a beach break and got a near fall off of it. Um, I kind of did and didn't see the split screens. Like they would start with no split screen or they would start. With, remember, I'm using the TBS app. So we'd see like half of the split screen. They'd like run some commercial ads or whatever. And then I'd see some of the split screen. So I saw some of the split screen here where Yuta worked over Cassidy's leg with an Indian deathlock. After the break, Cassidy started a mount and a, uh, to mount a comeback. He went to the top rope, but Yuta cut him off with a kick and dropped Cassidy with a top rope superplex. Then, Yuta hit a top rope splash and got a near fall off of it. Yuta went to kick Cassidy in the head, but Cassidy countered with the cradle for a near fall. Cassidy went for a spinning DDT, but Cassidy's leg gave out on him. He caught Yuta with a Michinoku driver, kind of barely almost dropped him on his head, and got a near fall. He then hit a spinning DDT, got another near fall, and yeah, this whole little... Quick action sequence looked really good here. Cassidy then set up for the orange punch, but John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli would come out of the crowd to cause a distraction. Cassidy then hit a paradigm shift and the orange punch, but was too beat up to go to make the cover. Yuta then got a great near fall with a seatbelt cradle. Cassidy then countered a sunset flip with a cradle and got the pin to retain the title. So before we get into all the chaos of the post-match, what do you think of the match itself for the uh, international championship? I liked the match. I really did. I was a little shocked that Wheeler Yuta lost because I thought he would actually win the match. Nah, I mean, I think they're going to keep this title on Orange Cassidy for as long as they can. That's kind of like a joke now. 
It's like, oh, this guy's all beat up, but he's still beating everybody. Well, now I think it's like, oh, maybe saying a joke is too harsh. I don't know. I just feel like who's going who's gonna to beat him for the belt is the question. Wheeler Yuta would have made sense. I don't know. I mean, like, he's already defended the belt too much, so now it's like, okay, who's, who's actually going to beat him? Moxley at all out. Maybe. I don't know. So, I feel like that would hurt Moxley, though, because if he no, could just be holding a belt that no one really cares about, to be people, honest. I think, A, people slightly care about this belt, and B, putting it on him, and him, I think he can help elevate it back to what they wanted it to be originally. So I think it would be a win-win. But then after the match, Moxley and Claudio jump in the ring and attack Orange Cassidy. This then leads to best friends coming out, who we haven't seen since the parking lot fight. They get overwhelmed, though. And out come the Lucha Bros. Boxley and Claudio are beating up the best friends. Lucha Bros are out there to even the odds. Moxley and Claudio then grab chairs. And out comes, well, the Mad King, Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston's back from Japan, back from the G1. He runs down to the ring and immediately wants to go after Claudio. They fight in the ring. Blackpool Combat Club finally says, oh, it's six on three. We're not dumb. We're getting out of here. We're running away. Kingston then grabs a mic and says, hey, it's us versus you guys at Wembley. And bring anybody that you can find because it's Stadium Stampede. And I'm like, oh, wow. How are they going to do that? Because correct me if I'm wrong. They've never done Stadium Stampede inside a stadium with fans, like, filling it up. It's always been at Daly's Place and, you know, the Jag Stadium when it's empty, right? Yeah, so, like, are they just going to well, do this at, like, another empty stadium? No, 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 now that I'm thinking about it, now I'm thinking about it, they're just going to fight all through the crowd like they do with Anarchy in the Arena. It's just going to be Anarchy in the Arena, but it's not an arena, so they can call it Stadium Stampede. That's all it's going to be, because we saw this year and last year with Anarchy in the Arena, Double or Nothing, they're just fighting through the crowd with people all around, so I think that's all it's going to be. I don't, the tough part and what we've come to get used to with the stadium stampede, and they probably still can do it, but there's always been big stunts with stadium stampede that you can do because there's nobody else around. So I'm very interested to see what they do, but now the big question, we know one side, one side of this match is Eddie Kingston, best friends, Orange Cassidy, Lucha Bros. Who's the other side? It's Mox, Claudio, Wheeler. They need three more friends. They don't have friends. They've got one in Brian Danielson, but he's out hurt. Unless maybe he's making some triumphant recovery and he's coming back early, but then they still need two more. Who do they add? I have no clue who the BCC adds. Joto Umino, maybe? Oh, yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, since G1's done, he can come. That would make a lot of sense, Umino. And then some, I saw somebody on Twitter go, oh, so Pac's going to get at it. No, Pac's hurt. Pac's out with an injury. Plus, Pac don't like them anymore anyways. But yeah, Umino makes the perfect sense. But I could, I just, there still needs two more. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Oh. And this is a tough one. This is really, really tough. 
maybe I gotta look at the AW roster. Right. Right now, I can't think of anybody. Can we do that real quick? Yeah. So I can pull that up on the screen. Let's do that really quick. AEW roster. I mean, I'm trying to think of like heels on the roster, but I don't know. Hold on. Let me pull this up. We've got. All right. So we've got the AEW roster here. You can see it, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. So like when we're looking here and we're going through and we're seeing who are the heels that they can add. Uh, I don't see them adding anybody from like the former JAS, like Angelo Parker, Anthony Agogo. No, that probably wouldn't make sense. We haven't seen him in forever. The guns wouldn't make sense. Big Bill. Do we do Big Bill and Brian Cage somehow? I mean, they're heels, but I don't think so. It wouldn't make any sense though. Yeah, but Pac got added in the in in Wembley, and that didn't really make more. Well, no, I mean blood and guts. That made a little bit of sense, so never mind. But as we're looking here, I can't see anybody that would make real sense. They still got Griff Garrison on this roster. That guy's been gone for a while. Um, looking, looking, looking. I mean, what? Are, no, never mind. I was gonna say Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett, but I highly doubt that. Um, I mean. Josh Woods would be somebody that would make sense as part of the BCC because of his, you know, um, amateur background and all that. Maybe they get Lance Archer. Somehow. Lance Archer would actually be pretty cool, but when was the last time we've seen him? Maybe about a month ago or so. It wasn't too long ago. Pretty sure he worked a rampage recently. But, I mean, looking, looking, looking. Not seeing, seeing, seeing anybody that I think would work. Uh, I mean, Ortiz, he's been gone forever. Santana hasn't returned yet. Powerhouse Hobbs, that's a stretch. I totally forgot about Santana and Ortiz, to be honest with you. Well, Santana's been out with an injury, and Ortiz, he kind of feuded with Eddie Kingston, and that just died. I mean... What are you going to do? Add Roosh and Preston Vance? Uh, I'm just looking at more heels. Swerve's doing something already. Uh, see, th- th- so this is what popped into my head originally, but I didn't think it would make any sense. It's the Butcher and the Blade. Two heels that aren't doing anything that I could see in this type of a match. Butcher and the Blade. But how do you... Like, what's the reasoning for them adding them? So it's like... None. I just, I don't see who makes sense. You got Shota Umino. That makes a whole lot of a sense. That makes perfect sense. But anybody else? I don't know. This is a very, very tough one. Oh, I got it. Uh-oh. Who? Chris Hero. Oh, because him and Claudio? Yep. But didn't they, like... In storyline, Ring of Honor have a falling out. You can always reconnect that, though. Yeah, Kings of Pro Wrestling. I mean, Tony's been trying to get him to want to work a match. But this would be a hell of a match for him to return in. So, I don't know. This is, like, one of the toughest things to try and predict right now. I mean, my guess is Shoto Umino, and they probably just get maybe two, pe- two more people from Japan. I don't know. 
Huh. But if you were to think that... Well, now I want to go look at something really fast. Well, no, that wouldn't be as easy to find. Ooh, I got David Finley, because David Finley eliminated Eddie Kingston from the well, G1. The, okay, that's what I was thinking. Who... Who faced Kingston in G1? Like, so yeah, David Finley, of course. And I know he had a good match with um, um, Shingo Takagi, but Shingo's a baby face, so that wouldn't work either. I'm trying to think who else Eddie Kingston had, like, big matches with that are heel. Let me see. Hold on. Uh, G1 2023. All I got to do is see who was in his block. Art Connors, maybe? He's also in Bullet Club. But let me see. Um... G1 2023. What block was Eddie Kingston in? Eddie Kingston was in the... Okay, so Eddie Kingston defeated Shingo. Eddie Kingston... It'd be easier if I did this. So Eddie Kingston defeated Shingo Takagi. Lost to Evil. Defeated uh, Aaron Hanare. Boss to Tomohiro Ishii, beat Mikey Nichols, beat Tamatonga, and then lost in a tag match after G1 in just a regular tag match to Bullet Club members Chase Owens and David Finley. Then David Finley eliminated him from the tournament. He also lost a match to Evil in the show, House of Torture. And then him, Tanahashi, and Ishii defeated the United Empire, Great Okan, Jeff Cobb, and Hanare. So, I don't know. I just, this is a tough one to try to predict. Yeah. As we move forward, Jim Ross was interviewing Kenny Omega inside of Daly's Place in Jacksonville, um, Florida. They had an empty building, though. I liked the aesthetic here. I liked the way it looked and everything. Really cool. And so the interview took place in, in um, Daily's Place. Like I stated, JR noted this is where Omega won his first world championship. At least in AEW, that is. Omega wants to move away from Don Callis. Footage was shown of Omega facing Konosuke Takeshita in DDT. And I'm like, oh, crap, that's Takeshita? He looks so much different with the short hair and just super skinny. Callis would then interrupt after. So Kenny says some stuff about like, oh, well, Don isn't my real uncle, but he's like best friends with my real uncle and this and that and da, da, da. And Don interrupts, which was a distraction allowing Juice Robinson and Jay White to attack Kenny Omega. Takeshita would also jump in as well, and they beat the crap out of him. At one point, um, Bullet Club Gold's holding Kenny up. And Takeshita's got a big two-by-four, and they yell, break his back! And he, boom! Just two-by-four right over his back. They then say that Kenny was sent to a local hospital. We then cut to Hangman Page standing next to an ambulance with the lights going off. Clearly not in front of a hospital, but he says, I'm here outside of the hospital. No, you're not. Don't play us dumb. He talks about all these different things, and he says that you guys want to do this. You want to get all the way to Jacksonville and attack Kenny? Well, Kenny's also got friends, and Kenny has one in me, and I'm going to be there for him. But so is Kota Ibushi. So at Wembley, it's going to be the three of us 
against Juice Robinson, Jay White, and Kanosuke Takesta. All of a sudden, some security guy walks up and goes, uh, excuse me, sir, you're at a hospital, so there's no drinking alcohol here. There's no beer allowed. And he goes, oh, really? Hold on. Finishes the beer and goes, all right. I'm like, mm, that was dumb. But cool. This should be a really fun six-man tag. But the question, is Bullet Club Gold part of the Don Callis family? Like, yes, no, maybe so. Kind of, no, I don't know. Do you think they are? Honestly, I don't give two craps that they really are because Bullet Club Gold, I mean, they're doing nothing with them. So there's, it, this is how I view it. It's literally just like, we're not doing anything with, this, with these guys. So let's just throw them in the six-man tag. Boy, I, I, I get that. They're not doing anything with them. They apparently got the guns with them as well. But then, like, if you watched Dynamite or, Ran or no, Collision last week, they were making fun of the guns, calling them ass boys. And it's a whole thing. I'm not sure what's going on with them. They're kind of, like, just floating around doing nothing. It's like, hey, we like these guys. They put on good matches, so let's just throw them here. Oh, let's just throw them here. Let's just do this. Like, it's so random. Makes no sense. They're the real outcasts. I mean, they get tossed around a lot. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of Don Callis, we go back to the arena where Callis calls out, well, Chris Jericho. Jericho says that he's got an answer for Don Callis. Callis says, Chris Jericho, or Jericho says, Chris Jericho doesn't join factions. Chris Jericho creates them. But after last night, and what or last week, and what happened with the JAS, I got an answer for you, Don. Will I join your family? Yes, I will. Don seems a little so, uh, shocked by that answer and then goes, oh, um, cool. Now let's leave. Let's go celebrate at a bar or something. And Kenny or uh, Jericho's like, no, no, no. What's this picture you got covered over here? You got a gift for me? And Don's like, no, no, no. Don't worry about that. No, 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 no. Let's leave. Let's go. Let's go. And Jericho's like, no, you did. You spent all the time to get me a gift and this and that. So let's check it out. He pulls the drape. The sheet off of the picture, and it is Don holding a severed head of Chris Jericho. Jericho sees the painting and is like, what the what, huh? He gets pissed. Jericho said, what is this all about? What did you, you think I was going to say no or something? And Callus thought that Jericho's ego was too big for him to say yes, for him to join Don's family. He then says, who the hell is the... Don Callis family anyways. Nobody cares about Don Callis. He lost his family. He lost Kenny Omega. He lost all his friends now that I'm not his friend. He says, you're nothing more than a lowlife, a worm, a piece of trash, and an asshole. Callis then slaps Jericho, and Jericho responds by choking Callis down in the corner. Kunosuke Takeshita would come out to, I guess you could say, save Don Callis, but then also out would come Will Ospreay. Osprey would come down, grab a steel chair, and crack Jericho right over the head with the steel chair. Also hit him with a hidden blade to bust him open. Callus then smashed the painting over Jericho's head before Sammy Guevara would run out with the baseball bat to make the save. Excuse me. We got a brief and light Sammy chant from the crowd. And so I thought maybe this would lead to, <clears throat> like, um... Sammy and Jericho versus Konosuke Takeshita and um, Will Ospreay. And then I go, wait, 
could catch this ready in the six man. Never mind, never mind, never mind. So it's one on one Jericho Osprey. And we'll get into it later. Or actually I'll just I'll just fast forward to that right now. Where Jericho Jericho is in the back. He's interviewed by Rene Paquette, and he says in twenty twenty one, I was actually supposed to fight Osprey in the Tokyo Dome, but because of the pandemic, I was not allowed to go. Well, Osprey wanted that match in twenty twenty one. Now he's gonna get it in Wembley. So it is official. Jericho versus Osprey. But here's my thing. It just feels so random. Hopefully, at least next week, they explain why Osprey has helped Don Callis. Because right now, it just feels super random and doesn't make any sense. What are your thoughts on the way they set this up, the match coming forward, and so forth? Well, as far as the match, I mean, I feel like we've all, all known that the rumored match was supposed to be Will Osprey versus Jericho. So right. this, I mean, the match feels pretty expected. At the same time, it, they like built it up like so randomly. So now it's like, okay, like what's the story here? Like, why did Osprey help Don? I mean, I get it. You know, Don. You know, he walked out with Osprey at Forbidden Door. So now it's like, now Osprey kind of has to explain why he's kind of with Don. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. Like I said, we need some sort of an explanation. We tried to see them build some sort of an alliance before Forbidden Door, and that kind of never went anywhere. So, I don't know. I don't know. As we move forward, one second, I respond to a message. As we go forward, we had a tag team match. To me, was just there. Nothing special. Darby Allen and Nick Wayne taking on um, the Gates of Agony in a six-and-a-half-minute match. Gates of, Agony, Gates of Agony attacked Wayne and Allen as they made their entrances. Sir Strickland and A.R. Fox made their entrance while the Gates of Agony dominated Wayne and Allen on the floor before the match even actually officially started. Fox's Strickland watched the match from the ramp. The Gates worked over Nick Wayne during a split-screen break. After the break, Wayne got the hot tag. Allen and Wayne combined for a crucifix bomb superkick combo for a near fall. Gates of Agony hit a demolition-style decapitation elbow for a near fall. Wayne then hit a springboard cutter. They both climbed the same top turnbuckle. Wayne then hit a Tangaloa. Uh, well, no. His name's not Tangaloa. I don't know why I wrote Tangaloa. The guy looks like Tangaloa. He hit him with a moonsault on the floor. Allen then hit Khan with a coffin drop and got the pinfall. What is his name? I know there's Khan. Then there's the other one that looks like kind of Tangaloa or whatever. Do you know his name? Because I don't know his name. I don't know his name either. Yeah. So after the match, Mogul Affiliates surrounded the ring. Sting interrupted. Sting uh, says he has kidnapped Prince Nana. Sting then scared Nana off. Nana, Nana, come back. Er, and said, Nana, Nana, come back. I need someone to talk. I don't know. This was kind of dumb. I didn't like it really that much. But it was whatever. I mean, yeah. I'm curious to see what they actually do with these guys that all in. Uh, Kid Vicious says... Uh, one more second. Kid Vicious says his name is Tona Leona. Okay, Toa Leona. Thank you. Like, I don't think they've announced anything for like for these guys that all in. So. Yes, yes, yes. It is, a, it is a tag team coffin match. Sting and Darby versus Swerve and Fox. They announced that last week. 
Oh, so they're making Nick Wayne like seem like a nobody because he don't even get a he's match. He's more involved. He's more involved than like than Sting is. I mean, you would think it would be Darby and no. I thought it was going to uh, be. I Nick thought Wayne. it was going to be a six man, and you add Brian Cage on the other side. That's right. what I thought, but nope. Just a regular tag team coffin match. So do you have to put both team members into the coffin or one team member into the coffin to win? They haven't told us that. I'm guessing probably both team members. Moving forward, Adam Cole and MJF had some ideas to get ready for Aussie Open at zero hour. MJF took them to Outback Steakhouse. Nan Cole brought Crocodile Dundee 1 and 2. I'm like, oh, Lord, we're doing this kind of shit. Okay. MJF found a video of kangaroos I've, fighting. Go for it. I've actually never been to an Outback Steakhouse, so. My cousin worked there back in the 90s when she was in college. It's pretty good. I kind of prefer Texas Roadhouse, though. Get the Bloomin' Onion. Here's one thing I'm going to miss. So there's a NASCAR driver named Kevin Harvick. One of his sponsors is Outback Steakhouse. And if he finishes a race in the top 10, that next Monday, they give out free Bloomin' Onions with any purchase. But he's retiring this year, so I don't know if they're going to sponsor anybody else and if they're going to keep that promotion going. Is it like at any Outback Steakhouse? or I believe so. Well, They do the disclaimer, participating locations. But I think it's most oh, outback steakhouse locations that want to do oh. it. Yeah, but yeah, basically it's like you make your order, and then you can get a free bloom and onion with your with your dinner or your lunch or whatever. They've done that for. A, well, I'm serious. Go for it. So I'm guessing that's probably just an online thing or something. If you order no, no, online, no. no. If you go into the restaurant and stuff, Hooters does it too. Where um, sometimes I think what's the Hooters one? Hooters Chase Elliot free. I know there's one. If Chase Elliott finishes top 10, you get 10 free wings at Hooters. So that's a cool, cool one as well. But MJF found a video of kangaroos fighting and thinks that they should adopt the kangaroo kick as an alternative finish. They then do the double clothesline. On an inflatable ca- uh, crocodile, which raises the ire of Tony Khan of who called them into the office to yell at them. Uh, Adam Cole and MJF then arrive at the arena. MJF is headed to the bathroom. He said some Nashville hot chicken didn't agree with him. Cole heads to the ring, and Rock Strong showed up to complain after Cole and MJF left. And yeah. MJF and Adam Cole. I love it. Go for it. I thought this segment was stupid. Yeah, I didn't like it at all, really. The king, I, I, I didn't really like the kangaroo kick thing. Like That's going to look so dumb in the ring. So MJF and Adam Cole come to the ring to cut a promo. MJF did a little two-step for the crowd. MJF got a kangaroo kick chant going. Cole cut a heartfelt promo about his comeback nine months ago. It looked like Cole may never wrestle again. And now he's headlining the biggest professional wrestling show of all time. Cole said he needs to win this match, and he will do anything to make that happen. MJF then told his story, putting 90,000 miles on his truck that he bought in 2018, trying, or that he just recently bought. He said in 2018 he was trying to make a name for himself. He heard about this big show called All In 
that were being ran by the elite. So he DM'd Cody Rhodes to try and get a shot. He messaged Cody and said, you don't know who I am. I'm not really in anybody right now, but I would like an opportunity. And they put him in the opening match of that show. Of course, he lost to Matt Cross. MJF said that that night, though, did wonders for him, even though he lost. It opened the eyes of Tony Khan, who offered him a contract to the now All Elite Wrestling. He said in the last five years, MJF has gone from a nobody to one of the biggest that there's ever been. And it only took him five years. Now, MJF is back. And All In is back as well. He said, quote, the biggest wrestling show of all time doesn't mean everything to me. This does. The Triple B. He says, it means a lot to me, but this means more. He said, All In, uh, his best friend is his dream opponent. Because when he first started wrestling at the Creative Pro Academy, they asked, who are two wrestlers that you would want to face if you could face anybody you could? And he said he wrote down two names, Adam Cole and Cody Rhodes. So now, he gets to fight not only one of his best friends, but his dream opponent. And he's going to do what he has to do to beat him to keep the Triple B. There was a slight Triple B chant from the crowd. MJF and Cole then led their catchphrases, I'm better than you, and you know it, and Adam Cole, baby, before Aussie Open would jump into the ring and attack. Mark Davis avoided a double clothesline and saved Kyle Fletcher from a, quote, kangaroo kick. And the crowd chanted yet again, kangaroo kick. MJF then taunted Aussie Open. And from behind, it looked like Cole was going to hit him with a super kick. Cole's ready. Cole's ready. Cole's ready. Nothing. MJF turns around. Cole didn't do it. So they've teased now both of them attacking the other. Of course, Cole and MJF hugged it out. The promos in the ring of them telling their stories of what's led them to All In were good. But like you said, the whole pre-taped stuff before was stupid. And yeah. Started bad, but ended pretty good. I'm honestly just, I I will say this. Hopefully, neither Adam Cole or MJF gets hurt in the zero hour because that's my biggest concern. Yep. Especially with, especially with those guys being your main event and you're having them fight in the the pre-show. It's really risky that one of these guys might get hurt. And I bet you, if they do, they still work the match hurt. Probably. Uh, so we already talked about the next segment where Jericho challenged Osprey. Then we go on. This match only went 10 minutes and it felt so much longer. It was Jeff Jarrett versus Jeff Hardy in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre death match. And boy, did this, this suck big time. This was doo-doo. This match is just a mess. They were just, babe- go for it. Before I get into it. Is this basically like a promotion match for like a video game? Yes. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game comes out on Friday. It'll be on everything. PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox, PC. You can get it free with Game Pass on Friday. So they're promoting the video game. All this game is, if you ever played Friday the 13th, the video game, or at least seen it. I played it before, yeah. Yeah. It's that mixed in with a little bit of Dead by Daylight. That's exactly what this game is. IGN gave it a 6 out of 10. I know, I remember like when WWE would do like those promotional matches, like the Mountain Dew, like Pitch Black match, like people were criticizing WWE for that. Well, AEW is doing the exact same thing. This is like that damn Dave Bautista Netflix movie, Damian Priest, Miz, Lumberjack, Zombie match. Oh, yeah. Those mess. Hot mess. Anybody and everybody were getting involved with 
you know, who's associated with the two guys. And Hardy makes his ring entrance, then walks through the crowd and just goes somewhere else. And I'm like, oh, the match is not starting in the ring? What? What? Huh? And they're into the concourse where Jeff Jarrett jumps Jeff Hardy. And I'm like, why did... I don't even understand why Jeff went over there to start. Or so to say Hardy, because we've got two Jeffs in this match. Why Hardy even went over there to start? Wouldn't you think go down to the ring and start your match? I don't freaking know. Anyways, Jarrett I mean, they have weapons over there, so maybe he's just trying to view his weapons. Maybe. Karen then... like, this was was stupid. Yeah. Uh, Karen then shows up. Matt Hardy shows up. Brother Zay shows up. Satin N. Singh shows up. Ethan Page shows up. They all interfere within the first minute. Within the first minute. They're all fighting in a poorly lit area. There's like a red light shining on everything and everybody. And I'm like, I can't even tell what's going on. Matt then dumps some blood on uh, the Jarrett's, Jeff and Karen. At least what was supposed to be blood. Again, Satnam Singh comes up. They try to dispose of him. Then we're in a picture-in-picture break, and the TBS app does show the whole picture-in-picture break. But because it's like the small square on the screen, and it's poorly lit, I couldn't tell what the hell was going on. After the break, Hardy jumped off some equipment in the back and hit a pile of wrestlers with a crossbody. They fought out of the backstage area onto the entrance ramp as everybody fought to the ring. Smoke then just comes out of nowhere. Like, where the hell did this fog come from? There's weapons in the ring and things all everywhere. Jarrett was then alone with all the baby faces in the ring where there's tables already set up. Jeff then, or Jer- uh, Hardy, that is, hits a twist of fate on Jarrett, who hopefully placed himself on top of a table. He literally takes a twist of fate, bounces from it, and then, like, just positions himself on the table. Hardy then hits a swanton bomb through the table, but then Jay Lethal comes out to make the save. Ethan Page and Matt Hardy went after him with their finishers, but they were taken out with low blows from Sanjay Dutt and Karen Jarrett. And all of a sudden, like, we kind of see this, like, light from the ramp side. The the camera's still focused on the ring, and so then all of a sudden, this side, there's a light. And we hear, we hear Chainsaw, and out comes Leatherface. Leatherface comes down and chases Karen Jarrett around. He's like, ah, playing with his chainsaw or whatever. Karen's like, ah, oh my God, don't touch me. Leave me alone. There was and no reaction from the crowd this when crowd was, face yeah. came out. This crowd was so dead. I want to know who it was under the mask. I really do. Why was he wearing a suit is my question. Why was he wearing a suit? Anyways, back in the ring, Satnam Singh reappears and choke slams Jeff Hardy. Then puts Jeff Jarrett on top of Jeff Hardy. Pins him one, two, three. Jarrett then celebrated with a Leatherface championship in his hometown. Keep that in mind. They're in Nashville, Jeff Jarrett's hometown. And Taz, Taz on commentary goes, quote, Well, that was something. He just says, Well, that was something. With no emotion. No anything. And I'm like, yeah, it was. And that wasn't something good. Man, did that suck. That was the Texas Chainsaw Suckaker. I should have known, like, like Jeff Jarrett was going to win since they were in Nashville because Tony Khan, like, loves doing these hometown wins so much. Basically, when a wrestler is fighting in their hometown in AEW, they're winning automatically. Well, see... When Leatherface came out and scared Karen, I thought that, well, Jeff Hardy's winning. 
he's messing with the heels, trying to get the heels away. But nope, I was wrong. But this was absolute garbage. This was dumb. This was stupid. You call this a death match? What? Regardless, the game does come out Friday. You can get it on Game Pass. And right now the game has a... What's... Mid, uh... Critic. I'm looking up the Metacritic reviews. Right now on Metacritic, this game... Holy shit. This game is sitting at a 34 out of out of 100 on Metacritic right now. Uh, the best review they got, the rap gave it a 78 out of 100. But then other publications, New York Times gave it a 40 or a 4 out of 10. Um, San Francisco Chronicle gave it a 0, calling it complete garbage. And IGN gave it a 6 out of 10. So, boy howdy. This game... Not getting good reviews. But if you want to check it out and you have Game Pass, go for it. Comes out Friday. Uh, earlier, Tyreek asked in the YouTube chat, any update on Mark Quinn? Because Isaiah Cassidy is kind of struggling right now. He's still out with injury. No update. Doesn't move honestly, forward. Oh, go for it. Honestly, I thought Private Party, after a year in AW, I thought they were going to be tag champs. They really dropped the ball on those guys. Oh, big time. Big time. Now, Isaiah Cassidy is Brother Zay, and he moans in people's ears, which is the stupidest fucking shit. Anyways, don't get me started on that. We move forward, and we have Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, taking on the returning Bunny, who we haven't seen since, like, February. Winner of this match goes on to Wembley in the women's four-way, and we know exactly who's winning from the jump. Like, do we even need the match? Like, we know who's winning. It was cool. Britt Baker wore her same gear and ring jacket from the first ever All-In. Kind of wish she would have saved that. Unless she's got some big, grandiose new gear she's going to wear in Wembley. I thought it would have been cool if she saved that for Wembley itself. And be like, hey, at the first All-In and at this All-In, I wore the same gear and jacket and everything. Also, I think they said something along the lines of All-In 2018 was the first time they called her Dr. Britt Baker, I think is what they said. I think that's what his caliber noted. But the two women shook hands. No, it would be. <clears throat> Go for it. No, it would be cool for Britt Baker at All In. Well, if she used the same theme song that she used at the first All In because she used Adam Cole's old Ring yeah. of Honor theme song. That kind of be, be cool. cool. It would be kind of cool, but it would actually even be cooler if just Adam Cole used that as an homage to himself. <clears throat> so. Yeah. So move forward. Uh, they shook hands to start the match. And things went pretty quickly as they were shoving each other and then you hit each other with some forearms. Bunny countered a, lo a lock jaw attempt early and cradled her for a near fall. Bunny then hit a clothesline and actually got a reaction from the crowd when she hit the clothesline. Then most of this match takes place during the break. Like, a lot of this match. When we come back from the, from the break, Baker hit a double underhook suplex for a near fall. Baker then hit a forearm and a spinning neckbreaker for a near fall. Then there was some failed interference from Penelope Ford. Baker hit a super kick and a stomp and just pinned the bunny to pick up the win. So there we go. Britt Baker is now in the four-way, is set. It is Sheeta, Soraya, Storm, Baker. Thoughts? I mean, match is very predictable. As far as the fatal four-way match at All In, 
I feel like it's going to be surreal. It's yeah, so do be I. Surreal. So, because so, like, because like, once they dropped the belt from Tony Storm to Sheeta, <laughs> that kind of made it obvious. Like, like, oh, it's going to be Soraya winning, right? So, speaking of All In, here is everything that has so far been announced for All In. We'll pull this up on the screen. First off, with the AEW World Tag Team Championships on the line, FTR will be defending against the Young Bucks. In the main event of All In, the AEW World Championship will be on the line when MJF defends against Adam Cole. In a trios match, it will be Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, and Kota Ibushi taking on the team of Konosuke Takeshita, Jay White, and Juice Robinson. Also, we do another Chris Jericho will be going one-on-one with Will Ospreay. Four more matches have been announced. There's a tag team coffin match. Darby Allen and Sting will be taking on the team of Swerve Strickland and A.R. Fox. We have Stadium Stampede. It's the Blackpool Combat Club and three other opponents. Now, here's my thing. Are we supposed to be looking at these silhouettes as any kind of indication? Or are they just random wrestler silhouettes? Because I have no clue who they're supposed to be like. This one almost looks like Paul White, the big show. This one almost looks like Ari Davari, and I don't know about this one. That kind of looks like Tony Nese. Okay, so maybe, so may, oh, are they just going to get all three of the varsity athlete guys, Tony Nese, Ari Davari, and Josh Woods? I said Josh Woods would work. I said it earlier. Maybe, but it's like, what's the story, though? Right. Also on the zero. I still think Shoto Umino. Yeah. I still think you got to add Shoto Umino with the BCC. Also on the zero hour, the ROH World Tag Team Championships will be on the line when Aussie Open defending against MJF and Adam Cole. And the AEW Women's World Championship will be on the line in a fatal four way match when Hikaru Shida defends against Tony Storm, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Soraya. So as we move forward here. We then had a tag team match that never happened. Now, when Billy Gunn did his whole thing of, I put my boots in the ring, I'm retiring. Andrew Zarian of the Matt Men podcast and We're Live Pal was on We're Live Pal with Garrett Gonzalez. And Garrett asked Andrew if he's heard anything on this Billy Gunn retirement and what this could mean. And Zarian basically said, so if what I'm hearing is true, there's going to be a big trios match at All In. And that probably even then won't be Billy's last match. Basically, Andrew Zarian had teased the acclaimed in Billy against the House of Black for the trios title and the acclaimed in Billy winning the trios titles in Wembley. That's what Zarian teased. And that's what we got built up basically here tonight. So we were supposed to get a trios match. or I mean, a regular tag team match as they are saying, oh, well, the acclaimed are now... Back to doing two-on-two tag team matches with Billy Gunn gone. They come down to the ring, and all of a sudden, the lights go out. And commentary's like, what's going on? Why are the lights out, huh? And then the lights come back on, and boom. The enhancement talents are gone, and there's the House of Black. Buddy Murphy and Brody King pounce on the acclaimed as Julia Hart and Malachi Black watch from the corner. Matthews really went hard on Caster and busted him open. I don't know if he busted him open the hard way or where... When Max was at ringside, he bladed. I couldn't tell because of the camera angle, which is a good thing. Anyways, he may have busted him open when he hit him with a chain, but I don't know. The claim were laid out. They then had Billy Gunn's boots 
Brody King handed them to Malachi Black, and then he just kind of stood there with them, and then that was it. So basically right there, they're telling us, whether that's Wembley or Chicago All Out, we're getting the acclaimed and Billy challenging the House of Black for the trios championships. What do you think? I mean, it'll be cool. House of Black, they're retaining, though. I don't I don't think the Acclaim No, win. I think Billy and the Acclaim get that big win. I think Billy and the Acclaim win it, and you get a huge pop and scissor me, daddy champion. I can see it, but at the same time, I feel like House of Black are probably going to still have that feud with Andrade because they keep feuding. True, but then that kind of just but- went nowhere after the ladder match. Now, here's my question. Would they, you think they would go as far as to say, Billy Gunn is going to come out of retirement for this match? Probably. I can see it. I can see like, it. Billy Gunn's come out of retirement. Like, what? I could see him trying to put that spin on it, but that looks like the match they're going to do. Again, Andrew Zarian said he had heard of plans of something of that sort. Like, when Billy retired, what was that, four weeks ago now? So. That was four weeks ago. Yeah. Been the plan for a while. As we move forward, we got our main event of the night. It was the Young Bucks against the Gun Club. Them just facing more brother teams. This match went nine and a half minutes. The Young Bucks, that is, facing more brother teams. And the Bucks were against the heels here because they jumped the guns during the entrance. So I'm like, what? They fought all the way down to the ring where Nick and Colton started it off. Quickly, though, all four men were in the ring fighting it out. The Bucks are firing up on the guns. The guns did double-team Matt Jackson at one point. We went to a split-screen break. Colton hit a great-looking drop kick on Matt for a near fall. The guns clotheslined each other by accident as Nick got the hot tag. Nick then hit a superplex on Austin. He followed up with a springboard face buster on Austin and a standing moonsault to the floor on Colton. Back in the ring, the Bucks set up Austin for the BDE trigger, but Colton hit a flying clothesline to break it up. Colton then broke up a Meltzer driver attempt, and the guns hit the 310 to Yuma on Matt Jackson. Nick broke up the pin with a double stomp off the top rope. Austin then went for an O'Connor roll on Nick with an assistance from his brother, but Matt super kicked Colton. Nick then reversed a roll-up, and Matt helped his brother hold down Austin for the pin. Pretty clunky at first. They got it back towards the end of the match, and it ended up being an okay main event. I wouldn't have called this a good main event or anything. It was okay and it was passable. But what do you think of the match before we get into the post-match stuff? I mean, match was okay, but I feel like the, the main event felt like kind of a letdown though, because for people who would know what the main event was, like this is kind of a letdown to fans. Like, oh, we sat here, we waited for the guns. So here's the interesting thing with that. When you go and watch this show on the TBS website or the TBS app, a lot of times, whatever they use for the thumbnail is the main event. So a lot of times they'll put the the thumbnail, click here to watch Dynamite. That's the main event. Well, for some reason, the one they used tonight was Britt Baker versus um, the bunny. And so when I saw that, when I loaded up the show, I'm like, oh. So is there going to be some like big angle at the end with maybe the outcast or something attacking Brit or whatever to end the show? But ended up that match was not the main event. It was the guns and the books. So I don't know. 
After the match, though, out would come the rest of Bullet Club Gold. Juice Robinson and Jay White would jump the Bucks after the match. They stated that Kenny Omega and Hangman Page are not here. They're still at a hospital in Jacksonville. The Bucks then set up Matt Jackson. Uh, the Bullet Club set up Matt Jackson to get his arm injured and pulmonized, but FTR's music would hit instead. They did the deal where the Bullet Club all faced the entrance way, going, oh! And they just stood there, frozen, waiting for FTR to come down. So naturally, FTR came through the crowd instead. FTR hit the shadow machine on Juice. And then once the Bucks and FTR dispatched of the Bullet Club, FTR looked like they were going to settle things and hit Nick Jackson with a shadow machine. And then they thought better of it. The Bucks kind of yelled at them like, what the hell are you thinking? What are you doing? Da-da-da-da-da. And commentary tried playing this up as, it's the third match of the series. FTR want the Bucks to be at 100%, so they say they beat them at their best, and yeah. Cool. I guess. I mean, I, I get it. They're both supposed to be babyface teams, and you want to save them so that way they face the best Bucks they can. I don't know. It's whatever. What did you think of the, the post-match scuffle? I mean, it was kind of there, to be honest. There was a lot of just it was there on this show. There was. But, uh, but I do appreciate they announced like four new things for the pay-per-view. That's a good thing. I will say that. That's true, but there's still a lot of questions, though, to be answered. Like what? Like who's going to be the opponents for, uh, not the opponents, but like the teammates for with the BCC. True. Also, are we getting more pre-show matches? Because you only got one. They like to do two or three. Right now, there's seven matches set for the main card. I can see them adding two or three more to get that to like 10. Then add like two or three more pre-show matches. Maybe like some Ring of Honor matches. Heck, maybe let a... Here's a pre-show match you can do. Athena defends the ROH title on the pre-show. But then also, you got to remember... Not only do we have Wembley on the 27th, they then have All Out the next week that we only know one match for. They got Chicago the following Sunday that they built nothing for other than Darby and, and Luchasaurus. I mean, they keep teasing CM Punk versus MJF, though. Right. And here's the other interesting thing. They built up on... So they do the, the what's it called, um, Control Center videos before Dynamite on YouTube to hype up Dynamite. They literally teased that they were going to do something with Darby and Christian because Darby talked about Christian and how he has kind of hurt the credibility of the TNT Championship and then no Christian on the show. I guess Christian's just a Saturday guy. He don't work Wednesdays no more. I mean, a lot of people are just kind of Saturday guys now. Right. But with that, guys, that's what we... We, we, we thought of tonight's show. Now it's time to hear what you guys thought of tonight's AEW Dynamite. Let me refresh the polls here. So as far as the Twitter poll does go. Um, 60% liked the show. 21% thought it was just all right. And 17% didn't like it. Looking over at the YouTube community poll, basically the same. 62% liked it. 20% thought it was just all right. 19% didn't like it, but way more comments on the poll than we normally get. Um, this person said, other than the obvious elephant in the room, the rest of the show was pretty good. Uh, this one says the show was great. 
The Jarrett Hardy match was not so great. Person says, great watch tonight. And then this person says, mid. And that sponsored death match was awful. At least Osprey and Joker Sting are back. And then some people are like, oh yeah, the death match was bad and this and that. Da, da, da. Then we look at the YouTube community poll. 53% liked the show. 29% thought it was just all right. And 18% didn't like it. And finally, the Twitch poll. Everybody that voted liked it. So cool to see. But with that, guys, I want to say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash PeteWUnlimited. YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited. And podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, App Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Luke, tell them where they can find you. You can find me over at Twitter X at Petkey underscore 21. And you can also find me over at Twitch at DLukePetkey. Speaking of Twitch, I'm going to go live in a little bit on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash TimmyBuddy. I'm going to play some Fortnite as Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. So come join me over there in roughly about an hour or so. I'll be live on Twitch. Again, it's twitch.tv forward slash TimmyBuddy. We're going to be streaming some Fortnite and checking out the new WWE skins. So with that, guys, have a great rest of your night. I'll see you back Friday for the Wrestling Wrap-Up and Friday Night SmackDown. Have a good one, guys.